0: Ron and Anian. The Mac Tool guy actually accused me of being a little bit OCD this week because he walked in and I was spraying the heads of the bolts before I put them back into the chassis. Ah, listen, you gotta paint everything. The car doctor. Was the slide really dirty? Did it look kind of yeah. rusty and cruddy? Yeah, and that's, yeah. The, that's the problem. You pack it with grease and now you've got dirt in there with the grease and it'll beat up the bore more and sometimes it ruins it and makes it even bigger. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since
1: 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive
0: opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie Naney and Amy in the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. How great is it that once again we get together for the next two hours? of a Car Doctor Broadcast and Podcast, however you're doing this radio show and taking it. Cardoctorshow.com is the website. In case you didn't know it, maybe you're a newbie and we thank you for stopping by. We know you've got a lot of choices and a lot of places to be that you could uh, go off and you know spend your time. But here we are Saturday afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, doing a live broadcast at 855-560-9900. And uh, you can call that number. It's 24-7. Leave a message, and executive producer Tom Ray will call you back and get you in queue for the next live broadcast, as uh, we know that there are affiliates that take it on delay, and there's podcasting, and there's, there, there's so many forms of radio communication now that are beyond the scope of normal radio, and we're glad to uh, be counted amongst all of them. Interesting conversation this week at the shop, and I, I, I feel compelled to to discuss it. And I know from your emails and the conversations we've had over the years that you guys like to hear the the conversations at the counter. Counter conversations. Maybe that would be a good title for a segment. Here we go. Welcome to the first segment of Car Doctor presents Counter Conversations, a live recording or a live explanation of what went on at the shop during the course of the week. So anyway, I'm back and what we could actually do here is, well, I'll explain it like this. Two scenarios this week. And to me, it's pretty obvious and I've always tried to look at The situation from the eyes of the consumer and the eyes of the mechanic and I you know what I get it I I really do I understand why this industry has such a bad rap and I understand why consumers have such a bad rap in the eyes of mechanics sometimes because either there's no communication or no education or and I think in this case I think it's I think we're missing a touch of common sense I'm not exactly sure had two vehicles this week, both involving brakes, and brakes kind of concern me. You know, listen, unless you're going to lay in a large supply of shoes or drag your feet, you know, there's not much else that's going to really stop the vehicle until you hit whatever it is you're aimed at. And then it'll stop, but usually there's a bigger problem. So we had a, a, a mid-2000 Lexus something that had a leaky trans cooler line on a radiator. The radiator had a had a cooler line leak and it had sprayed brake fluid uh, across the area of the front brake pads on the driver's side, and the whole rest of the chassis was soaked in fluid. And uh, long story short, diagnosed the cooler line leak, fixed the cooler line. By the way, you know, it wouldn't hurt to put front brakes on it for two reasons. Number one, the the brake linings themselves are getting down to the 2-millimeter mark. You've got a a little bit to go, but the bigger issue is there's trans-fluid all over the inside of the brake on the left front, And at some point, when does that compromise the vehicle's ability to stop? When does that become an issue? You've got oil on the brakes. And the rotors are rusted. The car doesn't go a lot of places and get driven a lot. And I understand all that. And we had a nice conversation with the vehicle owner and I about, you know, the cost of things. And and I get it. I understand that it's not cheap to repair a car, but I also understand the potential of the fatality. It's it's brakes. It's not like we're talking about air conditioning that could fail. We're not talking about, you know, the car getting two miles less per gallon because you're not tuning it up or, you know, ignition maintenance and so forth. We're talking about brakes. And I had just gotten done with that phone call, and I ended up, we're going to do the radiator and wash off the brakes and hope for the best, and she'll come back in two months, and I hope she does. I really do um, uh, because I just... I you know there's just there's just no forgiveness in a 2-ton missile going down the road at 40 miles an hour there really isn't. And then I got into the second phone call. And the second phone call was a 2005 Toyota Highlander actually that had we put it up in the air for service and the left front tire was going low on air but the left front tire did not turn. You know you grabbed the wheel, and it, it was locked. It just didn't move. Now, the part that sort of made this interesting was the car wasn't pulling on the road, so it's in the early stages, but at some point, the brake being locked on the left front, A, is going to make that brake pad smoke and wear the pad down prematurely, and B, eventually it's going to start to either pull left or right, depending upon the strength of the right brake caliper and, and, and how bad whatever goes wrong goes wrong and when it happens. And it was a really weird conversation, and I guess I could turn this into a rant, but I don't want to, because I want to I want to try and talk to you at, at, a, at a calm level. But you got to understand, I as a mechanic, and a lot of mechanics as mechanics, take their job very seriously. It's our responsibility to keep you safe. And I, I get it, a lot of people say, oh, mechanics just want to make money. You know what, if this was about making money, I would have stopped fixing cars 35 years ago because it's not about the money-fixing cars. It really isn't. It's you got to love what you do, and you want to take care of people, and you want to fix and solve problems. And the conversation got into, well, I only drive, I drive less than two miles to the train station every day, and if I take it easy, I probably can get by with the brakes. Don't you think? Listen, I don't know about you, but somebody asks me a question to go against industry standard of whatever it is I do you know, whether I'm putting up a skyscraper or building a bridge or working on a car or treating somebody for a medical condition. You know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, quack, quack, it's a duck. And I said, you know, listen, the brake on the left front is locked up. It's, it's stuck. It, it, the wheel doesn't turn. And it's going to compromise the brakes to what extent, I don't know. I can only guess and, and imagine, but it's bad. It's clear cut. But I only drive two miles a day to the train station, and I'm not far from the house, and I only go 30 miles an hour. Yeah, but a kid can jump off the curb two blocks from the house, chasing a ball from a yard, and then what happens? And the answer I got staggered me. She said, boy, you really know how to sell this, don't you? I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to keep your car safe. And I say that because, and this is someone to trust me. I can't imagine in a situation where someone, you know, for the first time is, is, is dealing with their mechanic. And this is, this is where the relationship is so important. It didn't help here because whatever the obstacle was, the decision was finally made that we're going to sell the car. It was time to replace the car. We're putting too much money into it, with, to which I say, you know, go price out a new car. That'll bring you back. We'll do brakes next week and probably fix the rest of the stuff. I guess the question to you, for, just to get you to think about, and I appreciate you doing this, is what kind of relationship do you have with your mechanic? And do you trust them? And do you, you know, when they say you need brakes, do you believe them? This wasn't a believe it needs brakes thing. This was more that common sense thing. But I've got to tell you, there's no, you know, you know why they call them accidents? Because you can't predict when it's going to happen. The accident, by definition of its very term, is it's something that occurs unexpectedly. Nobody gets a warning flasher. There's no light on the dashboard. There's no text to your phone. There's no email that says, hey, you're about to hit a tree that's going to fall over, and you've got to be able to stop real quick. It just doesn't work like that. The closing comment was with the Toyota brake woman, lady, was, well, do the brakes have to be repaired in order to pass New Jersey Motor Vehicle State Inspection, which that in of itself is a tough question to answer because, well, the first part of the question is no, because New Jersey's not a safe state. New Jersey, we don't care what kind of shape the brakes are. We don't care what the tires look like. We don't care what the front end looks like or feels like. We don't care. New Jersey is a take your life in your hands riding next to somebody in the next car state. All right? If the check engine lights out and the vehicle's monitors have run, that car passes inspection as long as it's not a commercial vehicle. Okay. Of course, if you drive an older vehicle, it's more likely to need mechanical repairs. I think pre-1988, you don't even have to go to inspection. It's just who cares because there's not enough of those cars on the road to justify maintaining emissions requirements. So we've done away with that as of within the last two years. It's got to be common sense. It's it's There's got to be that balance, you know. The same rules still apply. The laws of physics have not changed. The car has to have a good front end. The car has to have safe tires. The car has to have brakes. And they all have to be in peak operating condition. I'm not saying that we've got to tune it so that you can go to Watkins Glen and slalom around a corner at 93 miles an hour in a Ford Econoline. What I'm I'm talking about is it's got to be reliable to keep you safe and, and, frankly, to keep me safe. Because I'm worried about the car riding next to me especially when there's something hanging from the rear bumper and there's sparks flying and cigarette butts coming out the window and the gas tank's leaking. And I've seen it. I've I've seen cases of this. Just let's close this off and just say, listen, when your mechanic says the car needs brakes, and you know what, it's it's perfectly okay. She's going to end up buying a new car. That was her comment. She's also going to go out and purchase a new vehicle for a vehicle that needs brakes because she doesn't see the point in spending the money. And I, I get that you know what point being your car's got to be safe you've got to be safe in it and you've got to be it's got to be reliable and you know it's it's about responsibility and and not counting on state inspection to tell you when the car needs to have something done it's about counting on your mechanic 855 i'm ron and the car doctor you can count on me i'll be back right after this Welcome back. Ronald Andy, the car doctor, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Hey, I see the um, Volkswagen apologizes for testing of diesel fumes on monkeys. Um, uh, this came to us from our, our financial contact there, Ed Goitis, Goitis Capital Investment, uh, Garden City, New York. Ed writes, uh, can't make this stuff up. Front page of Bloomberg, New York Times, and Wall Street Journal. After paying $15 billion in settlements in the U.S. alone, you think they'd learned their lesson on following ethical rules and regulations? And the article starts out, The controversy over Volkswagen's AG diesel's emissions cheating took another twist when the car maker recently apologized for a test that exposed monkeys to engine fumes to study effects of the exhaust. The company said the study, conducted by a research and lobby group set up by VW, Daimler AG, BMW AG, and Robert Bosch, was a mistake. The New York Times reported earlier about a 2014 trial in a U.S. laboratory in which 10 monkeys inhaled diesel emissions from a VW Beetle and... um, Look for the results. We apologize for the misconduct and lack of judgments of individuals. Wolfsburg, Germany-based Volkswagen said in a statement, we're convinced the scientific methods choose, chosen that were wrong. It would have been better to do without such a study. In the first place, the revelations show the Rocky Road for Volkswagen has emerges from its biggest crisis at the 2015 bombshell that the company installed. I wonder what happened to those ten monkeys. Now, wait a minute.
1: I'm not a scientist, but... You get exposed to exhaust. I don't care if it's a diesel or whatever. Don't you die?
0: Well, I don't or know. Or get very just, sick. Well, it just says inhaled. I mean, you would get very sick. Either that or you get brain damage, and maybe you got elected to Congress. I'm not really quite sure wh- where this would go. Um, uh, but, wow. Um, so, yeah, Volkswagen apologizes for testing of diesel fumes on monkeys. Um, I'm telling you, I'm going to win this battle. I, I, My friend Jeff, who's a lifelong Volkswagen guy, my friend called me up from his shop the other day and Jeff's kind of retired now and he doesn't he doesn't you know he just people will call him into, you know, troubleshoot and work on some problem vehicles. And uh, my friend JJ called me the other day says, "What'd you do to Jeff?" I said, "I did nothing to Jeff." Why? He says, "I called him up to work on a Volkswagen." He says, "No, I don't want to. Ron's right, they're junk." So, I said, "Hey, there you go. That's one. <laughs> you know, I'm going to win this battle, I'm telling you. You people don't realize um, they're just they're just they're just they're testing on monkeys now. So maybe that's who they want working on the cars. Um, Anyway, let's go over to Mike, Copaig, Long Island, 09BMW. Mike, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. Thanks for waiting. What's going on?
2: Hi, I I have a 2009 BMW X5. Right. I just got it a couple weeks ago, 93,000 miles. And I just wanted to get your opinion on the ZF automatic transmission. Uh, BMW sells this as a sealed unit with lifetime fluid. Okay. Uh, It doesn't even have a fill tube. So the idea of a you know sealed automatic transmission is pretty foreign to me. Uh, I've got pretty good service records. I don't see uh, any indication that the transmission's been touched. Um, transmission doesn't seem to have any problems at all. Uh, but I'm wondering if I should have the fluid changed or if I should leave well enough alone.
0: The Jersey wise guy in me comes out every time I hear these questions, and and there, it's a great question, Mike. Um, I, I always ask people. So if it's a lifetime transmission and lifetime fluid, go to the dealer service department and ask if you can order a replacement transmission. If the answer is yes, then I would change the fluid because they're expecting it to break. Uh, You know, if it's lifetime, then it's lifetime of the car, lifetime of you, but it it never is. It never comes out to that. That's the wise guy answer. The the serious mechanic answer is that in BMW's eyes, from what I've read, they consider lifetime as 100,000 miles. I guess they don't live that long in Germany. I don't know, uh, you know, and and that's just maybe the way it is. But I, I've seen this before, where they define it as a hundred thousand miles. I find it really hard to believe that anything, you know, any fluid, uh, unless it's under perfect conditions. And the problem is, I don't believe they're under perfect conditions out on the road because the way you drive in downtown New York versus Long Island versus. Arizona versus Pittsburgh versus cross country from one end of the of of the country to the other, it's going to vary temperature, load, uh, you know, abuse, um, you know, all the factors that wear fluid out. And I would I would tell you I would take that. And I have a friend that runs a a very good friend that runs a BMW only shop. He changes fluid on those cars every fifty to sixty thousand miles all day long. And mm-hmm. you know it's he's he's trying to get longer life of it out of the, out of the transmission for the customer because and it's not a cheap fluid replacement if I recall correctly it's a, I'm gonna say it's a couple of three hundred dollars it depends on if they change the screen which trans it is um, you know do they put, sometimes they'll put performance pans on to help cooling and lower its fluid temperature and things like that. Uh, you know, but 50 to 60, and then, yeah, again, at 100, 110, you're, you're right there for what could be your second fluid change, but the question is, if it's never been done, now do you do it and aggravate the unit? And, uh, you know, my answer is yes, I would change the fluid, because I kind of want to know if I'm going to have a problem. At least I'll be looking for it, you know? Um, yeah,
2: that's a, good, that's a good point. You know? You know, the, the, you know, it's great today with the history that you get on these cars, like, right. I know that um, you know, it was a BMW lease, three years. Uh, you know, went to somebody else. They traded it back into BMW. So I think it's been dealer maintained. Right. And I'll go through the record again, but I still don't think I saw a tranny service.
0: Right. Do I you, mean, they
2: could have gone to a local indie. Right. But, um, yeah, I just don't know. And it doesn't do, even have a fill tube, so I can't check. Do you, do you, do you, you have. Very,
0: Mike, Mike, do you have a BMW shop or are you going to take it to the dealer?
2: Um, I actually bought it from a BMW specialist, okay. So um, he's pretty well regarded. and he did do a lot of other preventative things before I got my hands on it. right? So I think I would go back to him. Yeah, I
0: would go back to him and talk to him, and i would I would think that you know changing the fluid is part of normal maintenance as well as any other normal maintenance on that vehicle. Uh, you know, I would say, and if you haven't done it already, my suggestion would be is go back to the BMW guy. Um, Establish the relationship because it's all about the relationship. Show him the service history if he hasn't seen it. Say, hey, here I am at 93,000. Can you look the car over? Can you give it a stick out your tongue and say, ah, and do what needs to be done? And chances are you'll be driving that car at 200,000 miles. Mike, I appreciate the call. Thanks for tuning in from Long Island. I'm Ronanini and The Car Doctor. We are back right after this.
1: the
2: wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right.
0: 855-560-9900. Now back to Rod. Hey, let's get on over and talk to Tom. I think that's Whitefield. Is that Maine? That must be Maine. M-E, yep. Um, 06 Chevy Silverado. Tom, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Uh, hi, thanks for call- uh, Thanks for uh, taking my call. Welcome. Um, I have a Chevy. It's a one-ton um, pickup truck. Right. Um,
0: Diesel or gas? It doesn't
1: seem to... What's
0: that? Diesel or gas? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a gas.
0: Gas. Okay. Six liter. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: It uh, doesn't want to. It dri- doesn't seem to want to drop into overdrive when I'm on the highway. But you know, I'm not sure uh, whether it's just the way that transmission is or.
0: Uh, this should. This is. This is. This is likely a four L80E. Um, which um, yep. and any fault codes going on?
1: Well, they come up, and they go away quick, and I haven't had them scanned. Um, they, they disappear so fast, and usually whenever I've had anything scanned, they said, you know, well, it's not up there anymore.
0: Okay. Um, you know, there, there will be things in history if it's done within a certain within a certain time period. Um, you, you know, the, okay. fa- the the fact is that if it's really not going into overdrive, that you know, this could be this could be something simple. This could be you know, major failure, um, getting ready to happen if we don't take some action. So it would it would right. probably be good to sort of start a diagnosis. Um, uh, you know, if it's a P0894, it could be a converter issue. 894 generally is a death bell for the trans because by the time you get to that, it's it's you're sort of past the point of no return, but, you know, it depends on what it is. It's, right. it, it, it's always code dependent. Um, how many miles are on the truck?
1: Uh, 87,000.
0: Yeah, it's possible. Um, it's possible. You know, it depends on how it was used and maintained. Um, you know, and then every, sometimes it's just, it's just the luck of the draw. Listen, uh, we're still trying to figure out why the '04 4 Suburban I used to drive all the time, 56,000 miles, puke a trans, uh, you know, it's, you know, change its diaper every other week. And, uh, uh, you know, so sometimes mechanical things break. they 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 get older and just right. things happen. Um, so, but
1: uh, now, I, now that I remember, I did have it scanned uh, right after I, I bought it. But what came up was uh, was a coil ignition coil something like that.
0: Uh, misfire uh, P zero three hundred one three hundred two something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, and I was still actually in the test driving stage there. Maybe I just signed the paperwork and said, "Hey, I got a code. Just came up, you know." And, right. Um, they took care of it. Didn't come up until we hit the highway. Popped up and disappeared.
0: So, so you went know. back up. So you were you were in the process of buying it, and yep. check engine light came on around town. They scanned it. They said it was this. They took care of it, and then afterwards you went out to the highway, and then it wouldn't go into overdrive
1: yeah well, we didn't go on the highway until uh, a while later. See, I'm a merchant seaman, so I bought the uh, the truck and then boom, back out on a boat right and so it had passed i think you know thirty days or whatever cause okay in this truck. Gotcha. Uh, by the time I got back um I went on the highway, noticing it wasn't didn't seem to be going into overdrive um, it would just it would be up around twenty five hundred rpms when I'm at sixty five or so
0: and, uh, yeah, do, it should it should be lower like, than that. Um, but yeah. then again, it also depends on what real gearing is in, in this. So you know, it it really comes back to until you get that until you get a code scanned, it's you know you're we're we're, we're sort of guessing. Um, you know, and keep in mind too, there's a lot of factors that will keep a vehicle from going into overdrive. Sometimes it's it's temperature related, it's load related. Uh, I've also seen some operating strategies where if it has a misfire if it has a misfire code and it's sitting on a common basis depending upon the year of the vehicle and the software strategy they may not allow it to go into overdrive because they don't want to lug the engine down and make the engine work harder if it's misfiring because then that damages uh, the catalytic converter well the cat's getting damaged cuz of the misfire but it's making the engine work harder and they're, they're 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 trying to convince you to bring it into a mechanic and you right. know they'll 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 change the operating strategy of the vehicle depending upon the fault and it varies by manufacturer, year, make, model, uh, software. Software updated. Uh, you know what software is physically in the vehicle, but um, you know it really comes back to uh, got to get it into a mechanic and not just scan engine controller. I would take this vehicle in and do what we call an all systems code scan, and let it go through all the modules. And and I and I and I said this for years, and I'll continue to say it. I think all system code scans are going to become part of oil changes. In, in at some point in the future they they are at my yeah, shop my we we do we do all system code scans on a lot of vehicles once twice a year now uh, just because it's you know it's you're going to the doctor not no pun intended but yeah. you're, you're going to the doctor and stick out your tongue and say ah and you know we, we we try to do it at no charge it's getting a little more costly now we're 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 forced to charge for it because of the expense involved and you know the cost of keeping scan tools fresh and current but it's really going to become part of the automotive landscape. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're driving computers. We really are, and it's yeah. it's just it's better to catch the problem early rather than later. So, um, yes, yeah. you know, I'm He's sorry. I wish
1: I go to. He doesn't have one of those scan tools. He does a great job with everything else, but uh, just doesn't have a scan tool. And I do, you know, my own oil changes, things right. like that. And it's never a problem around town, right? So I kind of forget about it until I hit the highway. I'm yeah. like, oh geez, I got to get this fixed.
0: And and I mean, listen, Tom, I'm not I'm not knocking your your mechanic, but mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't. I, and it's not every day that I use a scan tool, but I can't imagine trying to fix a car without a scan tool today. Um, yeah,
1: I was a little surprised.
0: Yeah, I I don't get that. And you know what? He might be the greatest mechanical mechanic in the world. Um, he probably is. I mean, he's probably one of those guys that's just naturally mechanically sharp. But you know what? I can't do an air conditioning service without an AC machine, and I I I can't do a coolant exchange without a coolant machine, and I can't fix a check engine light without a code scanner, uh, the ability to at least know what's going on, never mind the ability to look at data stream. And, you know, the other side of that becomes, you know, without a code scanner, without being able to look at data stream, you know, the information the computer's going to tell me, I might take yeah. longer to fix a car because I've I've got to go the hard way around the barn. You know, part of part of owning a code scanner is it makes it easier to diagnose and repair the vehicle. Yeah. You, you know, you I, just uh, parts. yeah, rather than just changing parts. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and, and I understand. You know, it's probably not what the parts houses want to hear. They want to see everybody just change parts, but um, you know, it's it's the reality of it. So it's either time to have a heart to heart, or you just Got to find another mechanic. So yeah, now
1: would this be like a uh, the all systems code scan? Um, I would, would start there. Be a dealer type thing? No, I would you listen.
0: Um, you know, I've got I've got six mainstream scan tools right now. I've got an OTC, a Mac, a Snap On, three launches. Uh, let me think, what else is there? But any one of those six tools will do an all system code scan, or a health report, or, or a system vehicle checkup whatever you want to, you know, whatever the marketing department thought it should be called from the from the scan tool manufacturer, uh, you know, it's it's just, but it's it's an absolute necessity. Uh, and, and you know what? It also protects the mechanic, okay? Y- yeah. y- you change the oil on the car, and here's the scenario. You change the oil on the car, first time in. First time in, we always scan, all right, because we want to know. I changed Tom's oil, and, you know, the next day, the car pops up, P0301 misfire. What'd you do to my car? You know. Well, listen. You know what? Here, look. Here's the vehicle report from yesterday. It had a P0301 in history. So whatever it was, it was pre-existing. So because, and and I understand why people are very suspect. People are very leery of mechanics. I know why they hate my industry. Believe me, I see it all day long. Uh, You know, when I when I talk to other shops and I hear what they're doing. Well, I tried this and I tried that and this didn't work. And what do you think I should do? I, I think you should start to diagnose it and not throw parts at it. Um, you know, right. I, I, I have that conversation a few times a week, um, although I'm trying to cut back. So it's not good for my blood right. pressure. Um, so, But that's where I would go, sir. All right? All right. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Tom. Good luck to you. 855-560-9900. Give me a call. I'm Ron Anany, the car doctor. Let's talk about your car problem right after this. Fine for the car. Doctor Milbeck. Look, we can call a note We've created another segment today on the car doctor. We had counter conversations. We've got car doctor mailbag. It's getting to be like a radio show. Whew. Anyway, um, rear run. I've got a 2016 Mazda Miata MX-5 that I store from November to April. I live in Wisconsin, and during the summer I will drive it approximately 6,000 miles. Would you, would you suggest that the oil is changed at normal intervals or just once just before winter storage? An email response would be fine. And I really enjoy listening to your program. Thank you. This is from Dick up there in Wisconsin. Um, I'll tell you what. If you're doing it, here's how I look at it, all right? And this is what I've seen, in that the car that sits, and depending upon the environment that it's it, it, it's stored at, and even when I kept the hot rod in the shop uh, one winter when I was working on it, and, you know, it still builds up moisture in the oil. I actually had to do valve cover gaskets one year and pulled the valve covers off, and obviously everything was clean, but you could see little droplets of oil in there that condensation had formed and contaminated the oil. So I don't know that I would follow the three or 5,000-mile interval. I think the car that's being short-tripped like that, I'd want to change it at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season. And if you do it that way, regardless of mileage, it, it can sit through. And the reason I say change it at the end of the season is because it can sit through the winter it's going to get moisture and contamination and, and condensation buildup to some degree, and you'll change it again in the spring and and get it out. You're, you're never letting the car sit over the winter and then using that oil to get through the season. I think that's where the mistake would be made, and I'm basing that on what I've seen as of oh, the last two years. Um, but, you know, oil is just – oil is the biggest uh, – uh, Dick, i got to tell you, oil is the biggest, most neglected item in the car, in my opinion. Um, I just see people just not doing it enough. So um, that's how I would handle it. I would change it at the beginning of the season, the end of the season, and uh, this way you're you're always driving with, um, you know, with good oil. Uh, real quick, let's uh, let's go over and talk to Paul Warwick, New York, 2000 Toyota Corolla, and uh, maintenance question. How can I help you, Paul? Hey Ron. Yes, sir.
2: How are you? Good, sir. Great What's show. going on?
0: Thank you. Thank you.
2: I currently run some beaters, I call them. 2000 Toyota Corolla is one of them, and I buy them with. Higher miles, one hundred fifty thousand miles, but not knowing the history, I'm big on maintenance. Okay. Do I want to change the transmission fluid at this stage of the game? Or am I looking for grief?
0: No, I would. You know, uh, 2000, 2000 is going to be Toyota Type Four fluid, and right. you know, there's dipsticks there, so you can look at the fluid condition. Uh, you A know, brown. Yep. Yeah, it's it. By now, it's gone brown. They always go brown. I, I can honestly say I've never, I've never. Doesn't mean this is an indication of what you're going to experience, but if we want to do this based on pattern failure, I've never seen a Toyota Trans fail as a result of changing fluid. So, right. you know, if we want to be a little superstitious and throw a little voodoo into the pot. Um, well,
2: people are funny, and the first thing they say don't touch the transmission fluid. But again, I run, I put about a thousand, I call this car bulletproof. Right. I put about a thousand miles a week on this car. Right.
0: Um, so. I think I think if you want if you want to know the truth I think the engines on some of the corollers are the weaker link rather than the transas themselves you and know on
2: this particular I'm sorry to cut you off on this yeah. particular vehicle I it, after 160,000 miles I'm constantly adding um oil to engine oil. right yeah constantly.
0: yeah because the rings the rings are a very low tension ring and they get stuck in the groove and then they start right. to consume oil and that's the death bell that's that's oh. what that's when those cars because in the next year to a year and a half all of a sudden you'll start to get catalytic converter codes because the CAT gets coated with the oil that's being burned, and now all of a sudden you've got a P0420, and now it needs CATs, it needs O2s, it needs wow. rings, it needs an engine, well, you're done, move on next.
2: That's, that's when it's scrap metal. Yeah, that's when um, it's scrap metal. So. But it's all good. But other than that, and the other question, I add restore to it. Remember the old restore
0: 4? Sure, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, a yeah, million years ago.
2: Yeah, I I put in uh, every oil change. I drop in a uh, a half about uh, whatever half uh, about guess it's a few ounces anyway, and it is to help, but not much.
0: Right. Well, listen, it's not hurting, and as long as there's no disclaimers on the can that says, "Hey, you can't do it on this such and such a year car." Listen, certain cars, we still pour that little blue bottle of STP in it, uh, STP 1014. It's worked for years, and uh, certain cars, certain engines, will still do it. And we're still seeing, you know, average customer cars—not just the ones with the STP, but just by doing the maintenance and the oil changes like you're doing—we'll still see 300,000 out of the average engine, and um, not not an impossibility. So, but um, thanks for the call, Paul. I appreciate it, and uh, keep on listening up there in Warwick, New York, WTBQ. Uh, Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor. I will be back right after this. I always like this song. Hey, Tone, get up and dance. Tony, you got to dance better than that. Tony's tired today. He's cranky. He needs some sleep. Uh, quick piece of email. Ron and the car doctor checking in as we wind it down. Hey, Ron, I've got a 2003 Buick LeSabre with the orange Dex Cool coolant antifreeze. I recently listened to your show when you told the caller that was replacing coolant that K-Seal would take care of any leaks. It sounded very much like what I have to do for my vehicle. I just wanted to check with you. Would it work with Dex Cool? My car is not overheating. The engine lights or service lights are on, and it runs great, but I have to top off the coolant periodically. Um, Ms. Terry from Addison, Maine. I'll tell you what, Terry. Yeah, um, KCL will work with DexCool. Um, it works with any type of coolant. It, um, it has been very effective. We've been using it in the shop for more than a few years now. And uh, as a matter of fact, by virtue of talking about it here on the show, um, we've gotten uh, quite a few positive comments from listeners that have uh, used it, uh, from dealer technicians to Harry Homeowner, Harry Homeowner consumers alike. So KCL will work. Uh it's a, it's a uh, very clever uh, compound, very clever chemical that um, it does the job and it does it safely. So you can use it with your DexCool. It will work fine. You can find more information online. If you're so inclined, get out to uh, KCL.com, I believe it is, and um, that will uh, help you there. Um, all data, I wanted to mention this, too, that, you know, we live in the communication age, and um, everything is always about you know information, information, information. All Data is ramping up its diagnostic hotline. They're now offering tech assistance seven days a week, plus video live streaming, which I thought was interesting. They're going to use um uh, you know you can use your smartphone or you can use you know other means to connect with All Data Master Tech. Uh, they'll show you problems using interactive uh, video. And the tech assistant consultant can actually draw on the screen to help pinpoint the diagnostic issue or repair it. So, um, all that is taking this to a whole new level. And, you know, it's tech to tech. It's connecting with the guy in the field, and they're doing it via the Internet. And uh, we, 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 you know, thank all data for that. And, um, you know, we, we listen. It's the car is getting very complicated. We need more and more information, and companies like All Data, we'd be lost without them. So, if you want to read more about what All Data is doing with their, um, you know, seven day a week Master Tech Hotline service, get out to All Data com, and um, you can find it there. So, hey, that kind of wraps up this hour of the Car Doctor. I thank you for stopping by and taking the time to be here with us. Till the next time, I'm Ron and Amy in the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive; they're priceless. Everyone.